You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1357 of the Lothan Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday here in late November. And I want to thank you for listening to the podcast today. You're making us your first listen each and every day on the Lothan Hawks podcast. You can find us across podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Odyssey, as well as on YouTube for the video portion of the podcast. And today's show, we'll break down what became a pretty frustrating loss for the Hawks, 104 to 101 up in Philadelphia. If that's all you knew about this game, is that the Hawks lost by three points, it would not seem super out of the ordinary. The Hawks were actually underdogs in this game. And, uh, in fact, this is the exact projection. By tip-off, the Hawks were, were three-point underdogs in this game. So, to that point, the Hawks, quote-unquote, fulfilled expectations from the, from the book, bookmakers and the oddsmakers in this one. But it was not always that way. It was a frustrating collapse again in the second half for the Hawks. They led for the majority of this game by double figures on a few different occasions along the way. And then the fourth quarter was a, a slog, to be sure. The offense kind of went lights out. And really... Unexpectedly, I would say the ball security was probably the number one issue for the Hawks in this game. They just could not stop turning the ball over, usually a strength of Atlanta, but not in this particular spot. So we'll get into all of what transpired now. If you're a new listener, welcome aboard. I really appreciate you listening to the podcast, and we'll dive into the game right now. Both teams were 11-9 and nine coming in. Uh, the same record, by the way, the Hawks had through 20 games last year that they have also this year, and they are 1-1 one one against Philadelphia coming into the night. Now Philly leads the series 2-1 to one this season. Um, a lot of injury issues, a lot of questions coming into the game on both sides for the Hawks. It was Capella was questionable once again with the dental issue, ended up coming back in this game and playing well. DeAndre Hunter was questionable with left foot soreness, ended up playing. And then Jalen Johnson missed a game tonight, actually, with right ankle soreness. He was questionable and then ruled out before tip-off. Still nice to have Capella back. Hunter, Hunter looked fine to me physically, and, and Badanovich still is out for the Hawks. On the Philly side, they didn't have Tyrese Maxey or James Harden. So they're two best perimeter creators and their second and third best players overall. That's obviously a weakness for that team. But Joel Embiid had missed the previous four games, including the game on Sunday. So he was probably the freshest guy on the court in terms of his actual, in terms of his legs. He had been banged up, of course, but was questionable, ended up playing and uh, was the best player on the floor in the fourth quarter for sure in this one. Um, also, Matisse Howell came back after being questionable for the Sixers in this game. So after all of that, our friends at Bet Online, who sponsor the podcast, had the Hawks as a small favorite actually in the morning. Both teams on a back-to-back, so a lot of uncertainty about injury stuff coming into the day on Monday. But by the time the injury reports were finalized, the Hawks were three-point underdogs, and again they lost by three, by three points. So uh, you can certainly quibble with that. It seems a little bit strange to some people. I know people were kind of asking me why the Hawks were underdogs because of the fact that Maxi and Harden were both out. But you're on the road and beat is back. And the Hawks are not playing like incredibly well right now. So it's probably an appropriate number. And obviously the Vegas people uh, nailed that one in some respects. So we'll get into the game now. The Hawks did lead for the most part in the game. They were still trailing a few different times. It wasn't like it was a lopsided performance. It wasn't like Friday when the Hawks were in total control like they were against Houston before collapsing. In this game, the Hawks were the better team for the majority of the night, but it was not quite on that same level. The Hawks did lead the game 10 to four out of the gate. A couple of good possessions ball movement wise in the early going. Uh, John Murray made his first two shots. The Hawks led 10-4, and then Philly had that uh, sort of a nice 7-0 run. But the point of attack defense was kind of shaky early on in the game. I thought Capella looked like himself, which is good to see after a couple games out. Collins had a couple nice blocks. He was really active around the rim. And the offense, though, I I will say, for the most part, until the latter half of the second half, was pretty crisp. The ball movement was better. They had had a lot more assists. 
course, they had more turnovers as well. But um, that's kind of where we were at this point. The biggest run for the Hawks was still to come in the first quarter. It was a 16-2 to run late in the first to go uh, basically up by double digits. Collins and Justin Holliday, who returned to the rotation in this game, hit threes, and the defense was really good and really stingy late in the first quarter. Philly did turn it over three out of four times on that on that stretch as well. Uh, rotationally, it was not a huge surprise to me because when with Jalen out, I speculated that, that the Hawks might go back to Justin Holliday at the four, basically. That's what happened in this spot. There's a little bit of Hunter at the four. But for the most part, it was Holiday in that sort of small ball four role alongside AJ Griffin on the second unit. Uh, Trent Forrest also played again for the second straight night. If you missed that on Sunday, Trent Forrest kind of replaced Aaron Holiday. And I, I think it's given them some decent minutes in both games. Um, also, they went out, they went back to the old look with Trey Young sitting in the middle of the first quarter. Whereas he played the entire first quarter on Sunday, it was back to that kind of small rest in the middle, uh, just a small thing there. And then they were pretty much trying to pair Capella and Embiid for the most part, especially after there was a stretch later on that we'll get to where Embiid kind of took it to a Kongwu a couple of times. And then they kind of, I think, more actively tried to get Capella on the floor anytime than Embiid was from there. Um, Philly did hit a three at the end of the first quarter to cut the lead down to 11, but a great quarter overall, a 141 offensive rating with five offensive rebounds in the first quarter. They were slinging the ball around, nine assists. They were really balanced scoring-wise. Then defensively, it was pretty good at the outset as well. The second quarter was not as crisp as you can see on the scoreboard. It was 20 to 21, um, and the Hawks were not necessarily playing their best basketball in the second quarter, but still they were in good shape because of the first quarter and the gains that were made there. The Sixers did go to a zone in the second quarter. The Hawks had some attacking issues. It wasn't like a disaster like it was against Miami against the zone, but certainly some ball security problems. They, they, they did shoot better in this game, but it seems like the Hawks just had this weird um, – stop sign kind of thing that's the way that Nate described it on Sunday where they just kind of get baffled by zone defenses. So we'll see if that changes in the near future, but it was not great in this one. There was a 10 to three run um, by the second, uh, by the Philly team in the second quarter, I should say, sorry to have that little stumble here, but the Hawks did actually weirdly shoot well from three, except for AJ Griffin. Normally Griffin is arguably their best sort of knockdown guy. And AJ was one of six in this game. And the Hawks actually, the rest of the team was 11 of 21. So that was a little bit of a weird kind of back and forth. Um, there was a strange moment in the second quarter where Daniel House got a technical foul for bouncing the ball above his head. Then the Hawks let DeAndre Hunter take the, free, take the free throw at the, at the free throw line, which is a little bit strange. I think DeJounte Murray would be the guy that I would expect to go to. I know my friend Glenn Willis has said this before. Generally speaking, NBA teams almost exclusively go with the guy who has the highest percentage at the line, and that would be Murray. So that was kind of a weird one. And uh, Hunter was there and, you know, not a huge fallout, but there you go. Um, the Hawks led by like eight to 10 points for the majority of the second quarter. They got into the bonus pretty early. They did lead by 16. That was the high water mark of the game late in the first half. Um, and then there was a, a nice run by Philadelphia, unfortunately, at the end of the first half. Um, in the middle of that, I will say Trey Young has had one of his nightly uh, absurd, preposterous passes that uh, one that he whipped to Hunter, kind of which with ease from the top, from the top of the key. Um, Hunter had three fouls, though, but so they had to go to Justin Holiday late. Um, they actually would be normally A.J. Griffin, and I think Nate kind of leaned more on Justin a couple times when it might have been A.J. in previous games. Um, elsewhere, it would be interesting to kind of point out that um, I saw some people talk about how the Hawks might have lost this game at the end of the first half. I wouldn't go that far. But there was an 11-1 run by Philadelphia to cut the lead down from 15 to 5. The Hawks didn't score. Actually, didn't have a field goal, I should say. They had a couple free throws. But no field goals in like the last three and a half minutes at that point. There was one three at the very end by Justin Holiday after a great pass by Trey Young. But they were only up by four at halftime. And I tweeted it at the time. It felt like a missed opportunity. The Hawks had outplayed the Sixers for the vast majority of the first half. And to be up only by four 
on the road. It felt like it was a little bit shaky at that stage. Of course, it ended up being kind of um, you know prescient on that level, but uh, that was not a stretch that I'm sure that anybody enjoyed at the end of that first half. The Hawks did play well on both ends of the floor overall before halftime. They didn't they didn't have a turnover in the last four or five minutes of the first half. They had nine giveaways in the first half and 11 in the second. That's really rough. They were balanced, and uh, I would have certainly lost this bet that Justin Holiday would lead the team in scoring for a half. If 13 points in the first half, that was certainly not what anybody expected, including me, and I'm pretty high on Justin. That was a, a pretty shocking outcome. But defensively, it was quite good. Philly did find their footing a little bit at the end of the first half, but the Hawks were in decent shape. Obviously, it did not come out that way at the end of the game, but the Hawks did play pretty well for the majority of the first half. All right, we'll get into the second half, which is probably a little bit less fun, I will say, and then some broad takeaways as well as some individual player breakdowns in this game. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by Turo, and Turo is the world's largest car sharing marketplace. And with Turo, you can book any car that you want, wherever you want it, from a community of local hosts. You can browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U.S., the U.K., Canada, and coming soon to Australia. Book a spacious SUV or a minivan for a family road trip, or get a classic or luxury car for a special event or a birthday or even a holiday, and find affordable economy cars as well. If you're on a budget and just want to get from point A to point B, test drive that new electric vehicle you had your eye on for a while as well to see how it fits in your everyday life. And many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring rental cars and find your drive today at Turo.com. All right, we'll dive in now to the second half of the game. And early on, it was actually pretty strong. They had a 9-3 run early in the third quarter, go up by 10 points again. There was a nice quick-hitting secondary break for a lob dunk to John Collins right out of the gate. And then Trey had a nice stretch where he had seven points in about two minutes on two floaters and a three-pointer. And they did cool off from there. They did a better job, I thought, with ball movement in general in this game, but some nice drives and kicks early in the third quarter. Hunter had actually had a nice drive that I wanted to highlight. He's not always the best about keeping his head up and being a lively passer, but there was one where he got all the way through the rim, under control, uh, up the other side of the lane and then found Murray for kickout three. That was a good possession overall from DeAndre. But Philadelphia started to make shots. I thought that might happen after the first quarter and uh, when they were really cold, and they definitely did. They were nice to for the floor in the first eight minutes or so of the third quarter. Shake Milton had a good stretch for Philadelphia at that point in a 12-3 run by Philadelphia with Embiid. Um, as I, I think I mentioned this earlier, Embiid went right through a Congo for a three-point play to tie the game with like 15 minutes to go, three, three minutes left in the third quarter, and, and uh, right away Capella came in from there. I think Nate had seen enough of a Congo trying to defend Embiid at that stretch. Philadelphia led a few different times back and forth, and really from that point on, it was a close back-and-forth game. The Hawks had controlled it for the majority of the first second and third quarters. But from that point on, when Embiid tied it with three minutes to go in the third, it was basically the lead was gone and it was uh, back and forth from there. So there wasn't quite the same like collapse feeling that there had been in the previous two games. Philly did lead again. Uh, AJ made his only three of the night with a nice big three after that, but um, ended up tied at the end of the third quarter. Philadelphia shot the ball very well in the third. The Hawks had six guys in double figures already at that point, but uh, 13 turnovers and lots of uh, question marks across the board. In the fourth, it was actually a good start to the quarter with dunks from Akongwu and Trent Forrest, where the seas kind of just parted for Trent to go all the way to the rim for an easy one. And then it got a little bit weird. There was like a four-minute stretch in the fourth quarter where it was like just bizarre. Um, first, the Hawks had this great defensive possession where they forced Philadelphia into a late shot clock. He by Melton... Um, and he banked in a three. And that was a sort of one of those like shrug your shoulders moments from everybody involved. And then the next possession, the Hawks turned it over. And then moments later, there was a crazy back and forth possession that led to a three by the Sixers literally at the buzzer again. Um, where it, was just, it was Tobias Harris was like lost with the ball. The crowd kind of let him know that it was time to hoist one. He put it up and made it. And the Hawks went from basically up by four to down by three in like two minutes 
without much fault. They didn't really do a lot wrong in that stretch. It was kind of frustrating. I'm sure if you were a Hawks fan, you were pulling your hair out at that point in time. And after all of that, they brought um, the starters back in with about 6.30 to go down by one. So crunch time was effectively even. The Hawks were already losing by one when the starters came back. I will say that bench unit early in the fourth quarter, it wasn't, I said bench unit. The guys who I thought struggled the most were DeJounte Murray, who was pretty bad in this game overall, and then Kongwu. Those guys were actually probably the worst. And, and, and that's ironic because they're usually the uh, sort of cornerstones of that bench unit, but it was pretty rough uh, that entire time. Uh, and then there was this scoreless stretch. So neither team scored for about three minutes in the middle of the quarter. Only two total points for either side in almost five total minutes of game time. So it was like, Fast forward, basically. I, I, can, I can give you the play-by-play if you want me to. But generally speaking, nothing happened for about a five-minute stretch. And then finally, Trey Young hit a floater with like five minutes to go to snap that. There was uh, some controversy with 5.07 to play with John Collins being fouled hard by Joel Embiid. Um, Collins got very upset and popped up and was jawing at Embiid in the bench. I don't blame him at all for that. It was a pretty hard foul by Embiid. He got a technical foul along with George Yang for um, some, from ch- some chatter. I'm not really sure exactly what happened there. But... Anyway, there was a flagrant foul review. It was kept to be a common foul. It wasn't a terrible call. I thought it might have been a flagrant one, um, but it I, I don't know. Just spirit of the rule is always some, there's always some interesting nuance on flagrant foul calls. But generally speaking, Collins was bothered by that. Um, he got he got up, took free throws, split them, and the Hawks went up by two points. Um, and by the way, free throw line was definitely something that bothered the Hawks throughout this game, especially down the stretch. Philly tied it. There's lots of back and forth. There was actually a couple of good moment possessions and some patient possessions in there. Um, Hunter hit a, hit a smooth mid-range jump shot to go up by three, and that was probably the high watermark of that entire crunch time period. There were empty trips sort of traded off, and B got to the line kind of at will for a little bit of time. Trey missed a floater that was one that he usually makes, I will say, um, and then that kind of uh, led to Embiid actually missing finally with Capella contesting really, really well. And then Murray made had his best play of that entire stretch, hitting a jump shot with about two minutes to go, and the Hawks led by three with 157 to go into a timeout. They got a stop as well. So up by three with like 140 left with the ball. Trey gets to the line, gets in the lane, kick out pass to Murray, it was a pretty good look from three. They probably didn't need that shot there, but it was not a bad shot either. So it was one of those nuanced kind of in-between plays. Then Embiid scored in Embiid fashion and leads down to one with a minute to go. Then the possession that I highlighted, I don't know many did, um, a shot clock violation from the Hawks. Uh, John Collins should have shot the ball. I'm not sure if he just missed the clock. He was a little bit um, scattered going into the lane. Had time, though, to get, shot, to get a shot off and ended up trying to force it to Capella, who, if he had caught it cleanly, might have got it up. But Collins should have shot it. No question about that. And uh, that was a violation and a turnover. Then Embiid gets a switch on DeJounte Murray. That was just bad execution. You cannot put Murray on, on Embiid there with no help. That was a bad defensive breakdown in every way, basically. And then Embiid just shot like he wasn't even standing there because he's literally a foot taller than DeJounte Murray. So uh, what are you going to do there? He makes it, and suddenly the Hawks are down one with 18 seconds to go. Um, I'm sure you saw this play by now, but with 18 seconds to go, the Hawks call timeout. They come out of it, and Trey tries to force a lob to Collins. It was briefly open, but Embiid, you know, credit to Embiid. This is one of those things where, like, I know Hawks fans will listen to this podcast. It was a great play by Embiid. I will say that. It was not a great pass by Trey. Trey had a pretty, a pretty shaky fourth quarter, but uh, it was a great play by Embiid. He, he, he jukes at him. He's just massive, gets a hand on it. Ends up being a turnover. I didn't love the play, generally speaking. I'm I'm not sure if that was the design in the huddle or not. But uh, it was kind of there. But Trey just didn't uh, read it perfectly. And uh, and B did play it perfectly. So there you go. Uh, They went to Justin Holiday both times. They had had to pull Capella for offense. 
I was surprised that it wasn't AJ Griffin. Now, Justin had been playing great in this game offensively. He'd been making his jump shots. So that's kind of why also he's going to be, he's a veteran. AJ's not, but I would have gone to AJ just for the record. Um, the Sixers did widely, wisely foul Collins down um, three. The Hawks were with three, with three seconds to go. Um, that's what I would do all the time. I know there's always a never ending debate about that, whether you should foul up by three, but if you can get a clean foul with no chance of a shot, um, you have to do that. And I think the Sixers played that perfectly. Collins misses the first free throw, which definitely kills you in that spot, makes the second one. And that's basically at the end of the game. So anyway, the Hawks, let's just say I watched this game. I watched the second half two more times. I usually watch the whole game twice. I did that. Um, but also the, the fourth quarter, even more scrutiny. And the Hawks scored five points in the final five minutes of the game. And one of those five points was the free throw by Collins that was a purposeful foul by Philadelphia. So really only four points in actual flow of, of play in five minutes. And part of that is that the Hawks put in an absolutely glacial pace offensively in the fourth quarter. That's nothing new. And I will say everything slows down at the end of NBA games. Generally speaking, that is a factor in this, but the Hawks are particularly bad at it recently. Especially, you know, the Houston game was egregious. They were walking the ball before every time. Uh, Miami wasn't quite as bad, but tonight just not getting in anything quickly, having, having to go late in the shot clock way too often. The Hawks have the ability to score on those possessions with Trey and DeJounte, but those guys have to get in possessions faster. That was noticeable on the rewatch and also live. The Hawks only had 21 possessions in the fourth quarter. That is a very, very, very low number. Basically, the, the lowest the lowest paced teams in the league have like 95 possessions per game. And uh, do the math on that. If you divide 95 by four, you get a lot more than 21. So that's uh, that will tell you. And the Hawks also turned the ball over on almost 30% of the possessions. Six out of 21. That's really, really bad. So some stagnation offensively. They actually shot the ball very well in the fourth quarter, which is going to sound crazy because I'm about to tell you the other thing. The Hawks shot it well, 50% plus in the fourth quarter and had an offensive rating of 83. So that's turnovers for you, and that's bad execution for you. Some of those possessions were like very you know highly stylized, the, the lob play by, Colin, uh, by Trey to Collins at the end, then the, uh, the foul, all that stuff. But the first four minutes of that was the Hawks just playing badly on offense. They made some shots in the fourth quarter, but they were not able to get into their stuff enough, and that definitely bothered them in this game. Um, all right, we'll get into the takeaways and everything else from this game in a moment. My overall thoughts on the offense and the defense, as well as the individual players. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show today. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. And these days, every single new potential hire that you're making can be like a high stakes wager for your small business. It would be 100% certain you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs is something you have to check out right now. LinkedIn Jobs lets you find the right people for your team. They do it faster and they do it for free. I've had to use LinkedIn Jobs a couple of times in the last couple of years. It's been an awesome experience for me and really a great resource. It's incredibly easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. They have high qualified candidates as well that you need to locate the best possible hire. And then once you're set up, you can actually add the job and your purple hiring friend to your profile to spread the word you're hiring. LinkedIn Jobs has simple tools like screen questions to make it easy to focus on candidates, but just to write skills and experience to actually quickly prioritize who you want to interview and eventually hire. You want to finish the year strong in 2022 and finding the right team member is a key piece of doing just that. LinkedIn Jobs is rated number one and delivering quality hires with leading competitors at LinkedIn Jobs also helps you find the right qualified candidates that you want to talk to and they help you to do it faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Looking at the offense for the entire game for Atlanta, the numbers are pretty unsightly. They had a 104 offensive rating. That is going to get you beat more often than not. A 96 Offensive rating in the second half per NBA.com. That is terrible, obviously. They shot the ball pretty well the entire night, actually. 44% from three is actually a gift for the Hawks. They've been shooting the ball poorly all year long. They made a bunch of shots in this one, especially Holiday. 
But uh, and Lee averaged so on twos, they were totally fine there, and they had 26 assists on 37 field goals. That's a good ratio. And I will say the ball movement was pretty good in comparison to the last few games until late in the fourth quarter. But there were some strides there. So I want to be try to be even about things. I know people are frustrated, and rightly so. There, if there was a couple of things to look at offensively that were positive, one of them was the ball movement was better. But the thing is, 20 turnovers. And I know that was the focus of a lot of post-game questions uh, up in Philadelphia, but that was rightly the case because the Hawks just cannot afford that. The Hawks pride themselves and have, have constructed the roster around not turning the ball over. They've been in the top three of the league in ball security the last two seasons. They're in the top two or three right now this year, and they average about 13 a game. Tonight was 20. And they had six in the fourth quarter. They just could not over, they could not overcome that at all. Uh, the zone, again, bothered them quite a bit. It wasn't as bad as Miami, but they sputtered against it. It's very clear to me, at least in a small sample size, that both Trey and DeJounte are not comfortable against that, against that zone look. Um, maybe I think the Hawks were better at it tonight because they shot around it, but they have to get more comfortable and maybe maybe not to spam that in uh, in film or whatever the next couple of days because it was not executed very well on offense. Also at the free throw line, the Hawks have been awesome this year, making free throws, not necessarily creating them, but they were coming into the night, they were number three in the league at 84%. From the line, and tonight they were 15 of 22. That was their second worst performance of the season at the line. And Collins had his worst night at the line all season long. I believe he was uh, he was four of eight. That was a big part of the problem. But uh, you know, Hunter missed one, and uh, Capella missed two, and there you go. But it was not like dire. You know, it's 22 attempts. It's a pretty modest number, but they could have used those at the end for sure, especially the Collins ones that he missed. And then the possession battle overall. Um, we'll get into the defense in a second, and it was better than the offense. But uh, in total, the Hawks took. 12 fewer shots from the field in Philadelphia. If you're a listener to this podcast regularly, you might know that I do this every once in a while, but if you just do the math on that and just think logically, if one team takes 12 shots more than the other, that team's going to win more often than not. The Hawks did take four more free throw attempts than Philadelphia. That's only two possessions though. So basically if you want to go shooting possessions, Philadelphia had 10 more of those and it's hard to win if you take that many fewer shots than your opponent. Um, defensively, the Hawks did play pretty well for the most part. They had a 109 defensive rating in the game and uh, that's, Better than their average for the season against Philadelphia with Embiid. That's a perfectly fine number on the road. And uh, broadly speaking, I think defense did its job for the most part in this game. Philadelphia did, did shoot the ball below average, actually, for the whole game. Now, they were better in the second half, 50% from the floor after halftime. And the Hawks only had 12 turnovers. That's not really what they do on defense either. They were good on the defensive glass with Capella back. And they did keep Philadelphia off of the uh, off the free throw line for the most part. Um, and even in the fourth quarter, when it seemed like the Hawks were getting beaten, they were. They lost the quarter by three points. The Hawks held the Sixers to one point per possession in the fourth quarter. So it wasn't like the Hawks had issues defensively is that they couldn't score once again. It was kind of a mirror of the Houston game in which the Hawks were good on offense for three quarters and then stopped scoring. Um, but they were better defensively the entire the entire way in this one. So, uh, you know, I usually do like which side was more uh, more to blame. It was definitely the offense again in this game. I shared a bunch of stats during the day on both my Patreon, which is patreon.com slash BT Roland, or also on my Twitter page about how the offense has scuffled this year. And uh, it got even worse after this performance. So um, there are definitely warning signs. We'll probably have more on that in the, in the near future on the podcast, but the offense continues to sputter. The Hawks are now like solidly out of the, the sorry, they're solidly in the bottom 10 on offense, which is like unthinkable for a team that has Trey Young healthy and playing, but uh, that's where they are. And they are not scoring at a high enough level so far this season. As for the players in this game, a nine-man group that appeared. Um, Trent Forrest, we'll start there. He played 15 minutes, four points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals. They have two turnovers, so that's a little bit more than you would want from Trent, but he got to, got uh, four shots up. I said this a little bit more on Sunday, but like I think generally speaking, he's doing what they ask him to do. Like He's not he's not a shooter, and he gets looked off the three-point line quite a bit, but he attacked, had a nice dunk. 
the turnovers is the one thing you can't, you can't have from Trent Forrest, but he had two steals and that, you know, he was active defensively. I think he's played pretty well through the first two games of his appearances. Jalen was out. So there was Justin holiday. Um, it's kind of funny. Holiday was minus 13. I don't think he earned that at all. I think if you watch this game, that's not like because of Justin holiday. Um, he, in fact, he had 16 points, which is crazy high for him. He on eight, on eight shots. So like, he made a bunch of shots in this game. He was due. I've said for a long time, Holiday is a better shooter than Hawks fans seem to realize that he is because he had a slow start to the season. So no surprises all around there. He made they were all catch and shoot attempts. He's pretty decent on those. Uh, defensively, he was fine. Had an assist and uh, yeah, whatever it was, it was it was a nice spark for him as a, as a shooter against the zone. And I think it was probably you know just a fine game for him overall because of that. AJ couldn't make a shot. One six from the floor, uh, three points. Played less than you would have thought in this game with Jalen out, but because they went to Holiday a little bit more, uh, did have a steal, had two rebounds. But he'll have better nights than this. Uh, you know, I don't want him to get shy at all. I think it's good that he's taking a bunch of shots. At one point, I believe he had missed like three of eighteen over the last two games before he made that three uh, at the end of his stint. So he's not been dialed in right now. But I, it is good to see him like just keep shooting because it's what he's going to have to do. And then a Kongwu. So. I talked about this a little bit last night on the show. If you missed it, I did a full breakdown of the game on Sunday, you know, the game against Miami. But Okongwu has been struggling, and that continued in this game. You know, the Embiid matchup is a tough one for him no matter what, so that's part of this. But even, even against Paul Reed, he wasn't dominating. He wasn't playing well. He wasn't making an impact. Took one shot, two rebounds, had an assist, had a block at two turnovers. He's just kind of not the guy that he's – supposed to be so far this year. And I said this a little bit on yesterday's show. I'm not, I'm not panicking about it, but um, certainly the gap between Capella and Okongwu has never felt wider in the last you know year and a half than it does right now. Um, to the starters, all five guys double figures. In fact, there were six guys double figures for the Hawks in this game. Uh, Collins had a mixed bag of a night. I think defensively he was very good. Had four blocks and two steals. He was very, very active and uh, eight rebounds on the, on the defensive glass. He was good there. Offensively, he was efficient, except for the free throw, free throw line. So 13 points on... 12 shooting possessions, and it's because he missed four free throws. If he usually he usually makes at least six, if not seven of those eight, that would have helped for sure. Uh, offensively, like he had that bad shot clock violation down the stretch and the free throw shooting, so some uneven moments there. I think he was pretty solid. They were plus six when he played in the game, but he was not um, as good as he could have been if not for the offensive stuff at the end of the game. But kind of an on-brand night. He made his first three. It was one of four again, and he's just not making threes again. That's continuing, but um, we'll leave it there for now. But you know, you cannot fake six stocks, two blocks. Uh, sorry, four blocks and two steals is pretty valuable. Uh, DeAndre Hunter, same kind of mixed bag kind of night. He was pretty good on offense, 18 points on 12 shots. That's very efficient. Three rebounds, had three assists, two turnovers, um, no blocks and steals, like kind of a usual Hunter stuff there. He didn't do a great job on Shake Milton at times. He was uh, not great against Tobias Harris at times, but I thought he played reasonably decently in this spot in his return back to his hometown of Philadelphia. Uh, Capella, was good again. Uh, you know, Embiid got the best of him at the end of the game, as Embiid is going to do. Embiid is awesome, and that's part of the part of the deal here. But when Capella was on him, it was not quite as bad. Ten points, 16, 16, 16 rebounds, I should say. One steal, one turnover. Uh, he had one post up against Embiid that went very poorly, which had to be said. And also, I think he missed two, maybe three tips on one possession. I'm not sure if they all counted them all as shot as shot attempts, but that was a frustrating one. But in general, Clint is still anchoring the defense at a high high level, and uh, the Hawks are just better when he plays. There's no question about that. Um, and then the backcourt. We'll start with Trey. Uh, Trey had 18 points and 10 assists, and that's pretty solid. But he was not uh, great in the second half, in particular, especially in the last um, you know quarter and a half or so. He's not had the same impact offensively this year on the whole as he has had in the past. Part of that's just shot making, but just some weird decision making moments. But he was not. He was definitely better than Dejounte in this game. As we we'll get into it in a second, um, 
and Trudish didn't have his shot like flying, but only took 14 shots. Pretty pretty modest attempts, uh, attempt rate for Trey in this game, kind of passive. And again, they were playing very slow down the stretch. And then Murray. So a weird, weird one here for DeJounte. Number one, he played 20 minutes in the first half and played 40 minutes in the game. That's more than he should play. Um, and maybe it's because I kind of guessed about this at the end of the first half. They kind of left him out there longer than usual because Hunter had foul trouble. But And maybe he was gassed. Maybe that's part of this. But Murray had seven turnovers in the game. Uh, that was by far the, high, the team high. Yes, he had 17 points. But even defensively, like Murray, I've kind of said this. I talked about this over the summer with Matt Tynan and a couple of people from Spurs land. He has a rep as this great defensive player. Uh, DeJounte is very active and very much a playmaker defensively, but I think so far his on ball and just like regular solid defense has not been fantastic this year. And tonight it was like noticeably bad. He was getting blown by, by, and it wasn't like it was Maxi and, and Harden either. It was Shake Milton and Anthony Milton and Furkan Korkmaz that were going by him. That's not what you want to see from Murray. And maybe he was tired. And in the fourth quarter, offensively too, it was like he was not giving you what you wanted to have him do down the stretch. So uh, a bad night for him, I thought, despite like he shot the ball okay from the field, did six assists, five, five rebounds, but not his best work overall. And uh, in general, like nobody had an A-plus game um, for, their, for their talent level. Maybe you could say holiday shooting was uh, rising to that level. But everything else, like there were guys who played better than others. I thought, you know, Collins was pretty good. Capella was pretty good. Hunter was decent. Um, Trey was, you know, definitely below his average. Murray was a lot below his, uh, below his average in the game. AJ missed a bunch of shots. Um, yeah, Akungu struggled. So it wasn't a disastrous performance. And honestly, it's going to sound funny at the end of the podcast to say this, but I think it's absolutely true. This is the kind of game that fans end up being mad at me about because I always try to tell you the context and kind of talk you down a little bit. Because if this game happened, let's say exactly the same, but the Hawks had one in Houston and they had one in Miami or even won one of those two games, the reaction would not be the same because again, this is a frustrating game. The Hawks probably should have won in Philadelphia, but they lose by three points to a good Sixers team on the road on a back-to-back. That's like one of those losses that again, in a vacuum is totally normal and would not be at all alarming. The problem is that it came as the third loss in four nights and the first two losses were bad. The Houston loss was a disaster. The Miami loss was pretty shaky the way that it happened in the fourth quarter and all that stuff down the stretch on Sunday. So, and sorry, more, more in the third quarter, but anyway, um, so life's not played in a vacuum, and I totally understand that. Um, it's not just a game-by-game game thing. The Hawks are now 11-10. and 10. No one's happy. The fan base is definitely on edge. People are mad at Nate McMillan. People are mad at, you know, even Trey is getting more than he usually gets right now. Murray got some tonight. John Collins has been in fodder for the last couple of games. Um, but, yeah, it's just one of those times of the season when the Hawks are having some challenges. And, look, they play Orlando on Wednesday. That's on the agenda. Orlando's bad. Like, there's no way around that. The Magic are a bad basketball team. Um you have to go on the road, yes, but the Magic are 5-16. and 16. They lost tonight. They're bad. They have some talent, for sure, but that's a game that you cannot afford to lose. Now, nothing is must-win in the NBA, especially in November or December. I want to be clear about that, but the Magic don't have a rest of Andrew like that either, and like that's the kind of game that if you lose it on Wednesday, it's going to be sound the alarm time. It'll be the fourth game in a row they lose, and they're playing a, game, a team that they have to beat in some way. So people ask about, about McMillan's job security. It's too early for that, I think, but listen, I mean, it's I talked about this a little bit on the on a, an appearance I did last week. I uh, saw a couple of days ago. Like, there's always a breaking point when the owner is involved, and he might just make a call, and that's the end of that. So, uh, not, nobody's having fun right now. Let's just say uh, it's been a slog the last four nights. You know, three games in four nights, they lose all three of them, uh, and now they have a. They're actually going to stay in Philadelphia tonight. And they're going to sleep there, and then fly down to Orlando on Tuesday. 
Uh, spoiler alert, I'm actually planning to be in the building for that one on Wednesday in Orlando. So I'll be reporting from a hotel of some sort um, after the uh, after the game on Wednesday. So I should, uh, I'm not going to have a show barring an emergency, I don't think, on Tuesday. I don't want to overpromise, but uh, we'll see. But the best way you can possibly find the show usually is to subscribe to it. So go ahead and do that now. YouTube, of course, like and follow. Uh, share all that stuff. Also subscribe on Apple and Spotify and Stitcher, Odyssey, TuneIn Radio, all those podcast purveyors. It should be on, this podcast should be there. If it's not, let me know that. I'll get it fixed. Um, reviews are great as well. Five stars, preferably. Uh, comments, all that fun stuff. So I really do appreciate the support, everybody. Thank you very, very much. I'm also writing about basketball right now at patreon.com slash btroll if you want to support that endeavor. And uh, yeah, that could be it until Wednesday. I won't promise anything between now and then, but at the very latest, I will see you after Hawks Magic on Wednesday.